as well. Great. Okay, cool. Uh, so everyone can see the screen. We're all good with that. Yes. Even a Y in the chat would be really helpful. Great. Wonderful. Thank you. So let's break down section two. We're going to make the seemingly impossible way more manageable. Okay. So here's a bit of a, a quote that I am I've decided to collaborate with, um, with Ziggy Ziglar, who's actually a, a very famous American author. I found out about two days ago, but his quote was really interesting. He says, lack of direction, not lack of time is the problem. We all have the same 24 hours in a day, but we're not talking about 24 hours. We're talking about the same 65 minutes in a GAMSAT, hence why it's a collaboration with me as I've changed that last part of the quote there. So one of the biggest things I can tell you that is going to help um, and save, maybe even protect your section two score, um, making sure we have our score floor and our score ceiling. We're trying to keep them as close as possible. So we often talk about the idea of score ceilings being the highest possible score we could get. Topity top, top, top. We aim for the moon to fall on the stars or whatever the saying is, right? That's the score the score ceiling. Also, excuse my voice, I am quite sick. So if you if you get coughing fits and stuff, please be do mind that. Um, <clears throat> but we have our score ceiling. That is um, the highest score we can get, best day ever. Everything goes perfectly great for us. Wonderful. Our score floor is kind is the opposite of that. Worst day ever. What is the lowest score we could get, given that everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong? The aim of the game is actually to start looking at the score ceiling and actually aim for trying to move our score floor to be consistently higher and higher. Because yes, when everything goes right, we can have an amazing day, that's great. But we also wanna make sure that there's not that much variation. So even if you have a horrible day, we're still doing pretty pretty like, pretty well. So we're gonna be working on the things that are gonna keep our score floor high um, and help push our score, our score ceiling higher given that we have everything going in our way. So this is me, I'm Trisha. Um, I'm actually a section two tutor at Fraser's. I'm at second year medicine at UNDF. Um, I did a double bachelor's in medical science and development studies, so I really do have a humanities background. Um, and I also forgot to prep for section two when I was doing my GAMSAT, uh, but I got an 82 and I did it only once. So there is some truth to what I'm saying. I've also been tutoring for a few years now, so I do know what I'm talking about. And I do, this is going to be something that you can implement easily and quickly. Um, and really, once you get the theory, it will be really, really, really helpful for you in getting those higher scores because you're basically ticking the boxes that are required for those high scores. So let's go to the next slide. Structure, biggest thing we're gonna talk about today. It's actually the majority of our session today is gonna to be on structure because it's so, so important and saves you so much time. Also saves you a lot of energy. We often get these sort of questions, the how am I supposed to write two essays in 60 minutes? I always feel like I'm going on a tangent. What even is a contention? And all of those questions actually stem from a lack of structure or understanding the importance of structure. The important thing to remember with structure and what I'm about to show you is that this is theory. And I've deliberately made this theory very bad writing, like not nice writing. Um, it's going to give you the bare minimum marks in terms of like expression, but it will get you the best marks for your actual structure. That means you've got to then take it and make it your own. But the important thing about theory is that when you're a good writer, you understand what the rules are, knowing what you can break and what you can't break, and the importance and role of each line, each word, everything is deliberate. Even if you don't mean to, every word you use in your section two essay is going to be deemed as deliberate. Your um, marker is not going to be like, oh, they didn't mean to put that there. They're going to assume everything that you've done is on purpose, so you need to be thinking uh, a bit more strategically about section two rather than just sort of writing and hoping for the best you need to really be thinking about how 
how is my reader going to perceive this? How is someone who knows nothing about me going to perceive this? How is someone who has no clue what's going on in my mind going to perceive this? I need to make this as clear as possible. I need to be as succinct as possible. I need to be as convincing as possible. So there are three um, parts of our structure, but we really need to rely on the structure and planning so that we can ensure our essays are catching those easy marks every single time. The three levels of our structure are going to ensure that we do catch those easy marks. A lot of the marks that people lose are just from not having all the components of the paragraph, from not having the right structure in a, um, in a, content, in a contention in an introduction, from having extra salts in their conclusion. Those are silly marks to lose because they're purely marks given for having ticked a box, like you don't even have to have a good idea. Um, and that's what people tend to focus on is often that I need to have this amazing idea, I need to be really unique, I need to be super different, but that's not what's important here. The majority of your marks are going to come from having solid essay structure, the vast majority. Then if you're good at getting ideas, and we'll talk about that in this, like, at the end of this, that will make you have super, super, super high marks, right? And that's how, because I've been having, I have had this sort of humanities sociology background because of undergrad, I was able to not practice for section two. I shouldn't have done that. You should practice. Please don't listen to me when it comes to that. I should have practiced. I just was putting it off and procrastinating. But that's why I was able to go into that exam, not having done that much practice and still do super, super well because I had my structure down pat. I had been doing it from morning till night for the last how many years. I've been doing humanities since high school. I, I knew how to write. I knew the structure to write. It's very important that you make sure that you have that structure as on autopilot. It's part of your DNA at this point, um, because that's what's going to protect you and give you those super good marks. And then if you get a good idea, we're in the 80s, we're in the 90s, and that's amazing. So our three levels of structure, micro, meso, and macro. Macro, we tend to focus on more so in longer form essays, the ones that you'll do in uni, school, postgrad, whatever. Um, that's when you can move entire paragraphs around. Think of it as like the whole essay structure, the entirety of the essay, you're looking at it from that level. Um, mesostructure is actually the structure of the paragraph, so within the paragraph, right? So that's teal, T-E-A-L, topic sentence, example, analysis, link. Which sentence comes first? Why do they come first? Would you put your analysis before your topic sentence? No, because it makes no sense. Um, but sometimes you need to understand the, the very basic theory to understand when you can break those rules, like I said earlier. For instance, sometimes your topic sentence doesn't have to be the same structure as it always is, uh, if you know what you're doing with that. Um, with the microstructure, that's our sentence structure, and that is literally the order of the words that we're using, the sentence starters that we use, the way we put words in particular orders. Um, a really good example I use for my students quite often is if I had a topic sentence, and <clears throat> this is a very basic low-level topic sentence. If I had a topic sentence that said, um, all cats are gray, right? My paragraph is really going to be steered towards a very descriptive paragraph, just describing the different types of cats that I've seen that are gray. Yes, I could shift it to analysis, but considering that in an exam, I've just done section one, I'm tired already, I'm stressed, I may not have the wherewithal to actually remember to do that analysis, which is where the majority of my marks are for section two. So because of that, I need to set up myself for success, do things on autopilot. So if I change that uh, sentence structure, that topic sentence structure to all cats should be gray, the next word that wants to come out of my mouth is because. The statement should be is inherently one that needs justification. It's me making a judgment on something, as in some, they shouldn't be any other color is the statement that I'm making by saying all cats should be gray. Naturally, I then want to justify that belief. And that justification is where my analysis will very naturally slot in. So this is what I'm talking about when I talk about the power of microstructure. 
Knowing what words are going to trigger your memory, jog your memory to remember to keep the key parts in your essay is so important. This comes in the form of sentence starters, and we'll talk about that at the end. You know, even just having general structures, questions you ask yourself, it's in your plan as well, knowing exactly what you need to say to yourself, that even if you're so tired and everything is going wrong, you know exactly what you need to be doing, and you're still hitting all those bare minimum points to get you there, right? It's so important that you are hitting all those small little things together because to all those little ticks that they're going to be giving you for the little things that you've done in your essay, even forgetting your idea, are going to build. And that's how you get a good mark. People focus too much on the idea and then don't do all the little things and then they don't get a good mark. And they go, oh, I wonder why I read all the philosophy known to mankind. Not useful. Essay structure is better. Essay structure is more important. Any questions on that first before I move on? A Y or an N in the chat will be useful as well. Nope, all good. Gonna move on then. So now onto our introduction. Yeah, onto our introduction. This is just sort of the three major parts of our introduction um, in terms of it existing as a paragraph. So we're looking at the mesostructure, the paragraph level structure, and then I'm talking to you about the different sentences that are really important. And then in some of the more important sentences, I'll actually go into the microstructure for that. So we have our hook. Hook's just meant to be attention grabbing. It's that first sentence. It's meant to really set the scene. Um, one tip I can give you when it comes to that, and this links into the context world building as well, is that you need to make sure that your hook and therefore your context is not starting off with something along the lines of humanity has done blah, 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 blah since the beginning of time. Because when you do something like that, when you set up your essay like that, you then have to walk your way from the beginning of time to whatever context you're talking about now. And you don't have the time, you don't have the words, you don't have the energy. And more often than not, people will just make random jumps to try and get through that very quickly. You need to make sure that you are actually starting your context close to your actual context you are speaking about. An example I'll use is I had a student who did an essay on technology and they started their essay in that very similar way of, you know, humans have been using technology since the beginning of time. And it took them a really long time to actually get from that point, if they were actually stepping out their argument, um, to get to the topic of how we need more than ever technology for education. It's almost compulsory to have a laptop in school these days, which is obviously an economic issue. And I was saying, you know, you can save yourself so much time and energy by having an attention grabbing hook that places you very firmly in that world already. So the example I gave was, um, and this is based on like what happened to me in one of my exams, I was like, you know, when my exam turned black, when my computer turned black in the middle of my online exam, I thought I was, I thought I was screwed, right? That's a, an attention grabbing sentence. It's firmly putting us in the space of, she's talking about school, she's talking about technology, specifically laptops, and she's talking about the emotional distress she had when that laptop failed her. Now there's not really many steps you need to do to get to the contention of we need laptops for school more than ever before. Unlike starting at the beginning of time, then you've got to go through the Egyptians and then the Mayans and then the so whatever. Like you've got to go all the way through time to actually simply and adequately walk your way at rear reader through your point. So don't start all the way back there. Start much closer to your actual argument, but make sure that it's an attention grabbing hook. The context is next, obviously, that's just your world building. Give imagery, give us a background, give us some vibes, give us some feelings. Again, this is about expression. So make sure you are doing a bit of world building in there, really setting the scene, being specific about what um, groups you're talking about, who are you talking about specifically, don't make generalizations. I will say that a million times in this presentation, do not generalize, you lack nuance when you do that. Be specific and then justify why you're being specific. 
Then we have the big sentence that everyone's really freaked out about, and that's our contention. There are so many ways to write a contention. A contention essentially is your argument and how you're stating your argument. Think of it as the table of contents for your essay. We're not trying to hide anything from anyone. There's no spoilers in an essay. Just say what you're trying to say. Um, don't also say like list things like, oh my goodness, you know, if we don't do this, we're gonna have so many negative outcomes and then leave it at that. What negative outcome? Because every negative outcome I can assure you will have a different argument. So by saying negative outcomes, period, you're actually telling the reader that you're going to talk about every single one of them or actually a lot of them, which then weakens your argument. Like I said earlier, everything you're saying is highly specific. It's meant to be there for a reason, whether or not you know it. Your reader is going to assume you've done everything for a reason, particularly when they don't know you. So make sure you are doing everything for a reason rather than people being able to ascribe reason to things you didn't mean to give reason to, if that makes sense. Cool. So let's break down the contention. Before we move on, are there any questions? Why are you and in the chat? Just so I know. Cool, no questions. Now we have our contention. Like I said, there are many ways to do this. This is just how I've been using, uh, this is a system I've been using for my students and I found that it works really well for them. Feel free to use a different system. Feel free to take from the system and then make your own. It's completely fine. Don't stress about it. It's just what people use, people use different things. So how I've been working with my students is what I often tell them, you know, try and have three sentences. Let's forget one sentence contentions. It's very easy to hide behind the complexity of a sentence and never really say anything at all. It's a lot harder to hide behind short sentences, but in the fact that it's harder to hide behind, it's easier for you to be clearer. Rather than adding all these whereby, therefores and all that, just say what you mean in super short sentences to just get to the point. So think of this as a very fill in the blanks type of plan, right? You're not having to do too much thinking. You're literally just doing what you came here to do. There's no stress of you having to come up with fancy ways of saying things. Bare minimum, you've at least got the things down. You know where your argument is going. And that's really, really important. And that's the real point of the contention. Not only for your reader to know exactly what your argument is, but so you as the author know exactly where your argument is going. You're you cannot write a book without knowing what the plot line is. You will not develop the plot line as you're writing. That doesn't make sense for you because you're going to realize you've made mistakes, you've left plot holes, all this and all that. Every, every writer knows their plot line before they start writing, like they finish writing the book, right? In this case, we don't have the time to go back and forth. So we need you to actually know your plot line inside and out before you start writing your essay. I hate planning personally when it comes to essays. But even I can attest to the fact that in section two, because you have no time whatsoever, you need to plan. Please, 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 please plan. Okay. So uh, I have a question here about, would it be better to use formal language in your introduction or would it be more attention grabbing to use informal language? Up to you. I personally like using the use of I. It's easy to write for me. Some people find that really hard to write with the use of I. Up to you. Um, all I'm gonna say is if you use third person, don't hide behind big group terms like society, human, humans, Gen Z, because it's very easy to fall into the trap of generalizations in that way, but it doesn't really affect whether or not you're using formal or informal language to be attention grabbing, just be attention grabbing in that, be a bit weird, be a bit clickbaity if you have to be, um, but still make sure it's relevant to your actual conversation. Okay, in terms of our contention, we have three sentences. 
fill them in the blank, fill in the blanks. You get your theme after reading your four quotes. You can either pick a quote um, or pick all four of them and find a theme throughout them. I suggest actually finding a theme from the four. It does help you get a bit more of an interesting perspective rather than just picking one. Um, up to you again, to choice. So we have three sentences and it's, I think that this has led to, and this is a problem because. In the I think that statement, you are stating an opinion, right? This has led to, you're stating an outcome. What is the consequences? What are the implications of this opinion that I have? In the opinion, that's very important that you actually have an opinion. You're not making a random statement. In the same way that um, I don't say, I think that all cats are gray and leave it at that. It's better if I say, I think that all cats should be gray. So that's a judgment, right? Inadvertently, I'm saying that I don't think cats should be any other color but gray. When it comes to the this has led to, often that's going to be the fact that either people don't agree with you um, or people don't see it from your perspective, and that has led to problems. So people should be seeing it from your perspective. Uh, and this is a problem because that's going to be the foundational issue um, in the situation. It's not going to be another consequence. It's not going to be another implication. It's going to be a crux of the matter issue, right? The real cause, not a symptom. If you think of I think that as the symptom, this has led to as a complication. We used to do some medical terms here. This is a problem because it's the actual cause. Hopefully that's clear. Cool. And so from here, we really want to make sure that we're using our contention to help set up the rest of our essay. Unlike high school essays, where back in the day, we would do something along the lines of, oh, you know, write an essay about how we shouldn't wear uniforms. And everyone would do the, oh my goodness, we shouldn't wear uniforms because firstly, they stifle our creativity. Secondly, they're expensive. We're not doing that anymore. We're having to take one idea and go in depth. We're not looking for breath, we're looking for depth. So instead of having an essay with two separate points, um, we're gonna have an essay that actually has points that build upon each other. So instead of having an essay that goes creativity and then financial cost, our essay will be about in its entirety, the economic cost. It might be that one, the while the uniform is very useful for trying to make everyone look the same, they're actually a financial barrier to people entering these schools, particularly private schools, which is furthering the gap between education in private and public schools, because some of those uniforms are stupidly expensive. Second body paragraph would then be, even if you are able to pay for those uniforms, by not having the latest uniform or getting them changed all the time or fixed all the time, they actually can serve as a marker within the school of poverty or of um, different social classes, which is actually quite alienating for those students that don't have the same type of wealth. So they actually defeat the purpose overall in that sense. Does that make sense? I've taken one idea and I've actually gone further into it rather than just jumping to a secondly, here's a completely different point. Think of your point as siblings, common train of thought, rather than thinking of it as cousins or strangers or whatever. Siblings look similar, you can see the resemblance. They're not the same, they're not twins, but they're not strangers either. That's how we build depth. That's how we sound really nuanced and profound, what we're trying to do here. Cool. So we've done that, the issue. We then move on to the cause. Now this is more for your planning. You can also use it for writing your essay, it's up to you. Um, where you really say this issue, the one you identified, is happening because, and here are some quick little hacks. And if you take anything away from this essay, from this session, here's something you can take away. So this is very important. This makes you sound super smart and super profound. And it also helps you think about the deeper causes of things rather than having to go like, oh my God, I have to go read all philosophy. Think about it in terms of either human nature 
group values, and if you're pretty good at history, a historical precedent, right? Human nature, what do I mean by that? Well, human beings are inherently whatever. We're inherently scared creatures. We're inherently seeking for love. We want to fit in, blah, 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 blah. Whatever human trait you can think of, put it in there and use it as an, uh, a reason for the behavior or the symptom that you're seeing in society. That's going to be more of an individual type essay, like a human type essay, rather than like a corporation capitalism type thing. Although it can work with capitalism, but just be careful with that. Make sure if you are talking about a group, um, let's say a, a particular religious group, or I said in this uniform debate, uh, private schools, that's going to be very much le leaning towards the group argument than the human nature argument. And that leads us to the second point, group values. Um, this is very, very useful because it really shows you why people behave or groups of people behave in a particular way. So insert the group you're talking about at the beginning and what do they value over something else? So it could be that they value looking the same over actually being equal. It could be that they value um, being perceived as powerful over actually being powerful. It could be that they value profit over human life. It could be a lot of different things, right? I think one of the biggest issues people have is that they think they need to know all this humanity stuff when really it's a lot of common sense. Really think about why people behave in certain ways, why companies behave in certain ways. You will realize there's going to be common trends. The same things pop up every single time. Like I said, human beings are inherently fearful. We want to be loved. We just want to fit in. All those sort of things, right? They pop up so many times for so many different themes because they're a foundational issue in our community. It shows you you're on the right track. Group values as well. You'll see the same ones keep popping up over and over again. Um, that's why it's good to practice because then you can keep seeing what pops up over and over again. If you are pretty good at history, you can use historical precedent. Uh, for instance, America being founded by Puritans, founded by Puritans, or even the fact that we are a, as in Australia, we are a um, colony of convicts for the most part. Um, that all has, re that feeds into our culture today. So many different things. So it's very important that I think the first two, if you don't know history that well, focus on the first two, pick either human nature for your essay or group values, don't use both. Historical precedent, if you're good at history, use that. I would do either, just to summarize, I would do either human nature by itself or group values by itself, or first paragraph human nature, maybe historical precedent, and then, or in a different essay, group values and then historical precedent. Something like that. It's a bit of like a shaking it up, give you some spicy combinations there. Finally, you just want to make sure you know what the implications of your cause are, not actually your issue. And this is really, really important because it makes your essay less basic. When you focus on the implications of your cause, essentially what you're saying is, yes, I identified this issue in the community or whatever. And I'm telling you the reasoning behind it. But what I'm doing, rather than just being like, and that's why my issue is super important, I've gone, this is why my cause is so important that we deal with this, because it's going to pop up in a million different ways. This is so fundamental for our community. I'm just showing you one of the many symptoms of this cause, right? If I said, you know, human beings are inherently fearful, so, I don't know, we're racist, whatever. Issue, we're racist in community. Cause, because human beings are inherently fearful. Consequence, if I said, okay, that means we're going to be racist, then it keeps it really small. It keeps it very clutched together in a very uh, small context. We don't want that at the end, right? We actually want to show that we are really big thinkers. We're able to connect to the world around us. So rather than saying we are racist in our community, this is because human beings are inherently fearful. That makes us racist and it sort of is a loop. We can go, I think that we're really racist in our community because human beings are inherently fearful. And because human beings are inherently fearful, this is going to keep popping up in a million different ways if we don't deal with it now. 
it doesn't matter if we deal with this particular issue of racism by having multicultural days or whatever, it's going to pop up in another way, whether that be sexism, homophobia, whatever. We just are scared of things. So dealing with that fear will actually fix not only this issue, but a myriad of other issues. Do you see where I'm going with that? I hope so. I hope I'm making sense. If I'm not making sense, please ask. Great. I'm moving on to the next slide now. Cool. The thing about section two is that I need you to ask questions so that I can actually help. If you don't ask me questions, I'm just going to keep talking. Yes. Um, I'll try and get to a practice paragraph um, if we have time. I can show you a practice introduction, but I will see if about a practice paragraph in a second. Okay. So body paragraphs. This is a typical structure of a body paragraph. Topic sentence. Ensure it's causal. A causes B. B is the result of A, blah, 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 blah. Make sure it's causal. Causal means you can argue it because you can argue that this is actually causing this. This is the reason this is happening. Yep. Give your example. Make sure that it's concise, it's specific, it's relevant. No more than two lines, unless you're making like a case study and then that would be like three, four lines. Nothing more than that. I want you to be as specific as possible. Make sure every detail you are telling me about this example is relevant to the topic sentence and relevant to the point that you're making. Other than that, I don't want to hear about it. And also, this is very important, make sure your example is actually based in reality. So name drop. Tell me a place. Tell me a time. If the conversation is about, you know, violence and video games or whatever, I could use, and I want to say trigger warning, um, shooting mass shooting, but I wouldn't just say, oh, you know, there's been so many mass shootings. I wouldn't say that as my example. There's nothing grounded in reality in that because technically speaking, I could be making that up. But if I said uh, a couple years ago, actually a couple, maybe a decade ago in Sweden, a man went to a beach and shot a bunch of people claiming that uh, a video game, you know, made him do it. Really short, very specific. I don't say anything more, anything less. I gave you reality by telling you a country where it happened. I gave you, it was a real example of what happened. Um, I don't need to add anything else to that. If my conversation is about violence and video games, those two things, the things I need to reference in my example, as well as name dropping some sort of location, time, place, something to ground it in reality. That's how you do a good example. Super short, super specific, super concise. Your marks do not come from your example. Your, I'll say it again. Your marks do not come from your example. They come from your analysis. People will fill up their paragraphs with a million examples. We want one per paragraph, at most one per paragraph. The bulk of your paragraph should be your analysis where you explore the cause. When we go back to what we were talking about just now, the, why is this happening? And this is why I was saying, you can use this, use this in your planning, this cause consequence part of things. Make sure you actually write out the I think that this has led to, but this will help you in your paragraphs. This is very important. This is where the bulk of your marks will come from because it shows that you're a profound or a deep thinker. You can have all these bits together, think through your society, make all these connections. That's what this is. This is super important. Please remember this. Like I said, if you take anything away, please take this away. I'm gonna sound a bit, I'm gonna harp on it, but it's so important. I mark so many essays. I think I've marked like almost 400 plus essays this season alone. No one does it. Please just do it. <laughs> please use the analysis. Then you have your um, link, which is just a super short sentence, uh, where you summarize the point of your paragraph that you've just done, and then allude to the next paragraph. If it is body paragraph two, because I suggest you only do two body paragraphs to make sure you use writing quality, not quantity, um, you would actually then just sort of wrap up and then you'd be done. So don't be alluding to nothing if there's nothing else coming out. 
Um, in terms of rebuttals, and we'll actually have a chat about when we get to in get to our analysis, there is no need to have a rebuttal paragraph. It's one of those things where in high school we had rebuttal paragraphs. In debating, you have rebuttal. In an essay at this level, you just sort of inadvertently counter the rebuttal anyway. Even having things like many people would suggest that this is the case, but when we look at this real issue, this is what's actually happening. That's all you need to say. It doesn't need to be anything more than that. It's almost like you're preempting the rebuttal before it even comes your way. I wouldn't even warrant it to be like, this is now rebuttal. Like, other than saying, you know, while many people argue this, done. Argue, like, just get rid of, like, shut down that argument in the middle of your own, like, while you're still stating your own point. Other than that, I wouldn't really focus on rebuttals. If your argument is solid, there shouldn't be rebuttals. That's two things there. Okay, now let's actually break down what we need to do for this analysis, because I said I'm harping on it, but I've helped. I've made it all put together. So here's an example paragraph like template. Like I said, I have made this atrocious writing on purpose, because I know people are going to try and copy this and then be like, oh my gosh, I've got a template and I have to really think. If you copy this, you're going to get horrible marks for expression. I can assure you that right now. I did that on purpose. This is good, though, for structure. So take it and then finesse it and make it your own, right? So simple. Topic sentence, causal. A causes B. Causal. Causal relationship. Simple. Next one. An example of this was when? That example. That's your example. We love to see it. Super simple. This happened because, and then you state your cause that you mentioned earlier. Human nature, group values, historic precedent, whatever, right? Pick one, one per paragraph and generally one per essay. Cool. This has resulted in problem. If you want to have a bit of like an implication point, I know a lot of people feel the need to do that. I don't think it's necessary. Um, but if you are prone to doing that, I've given some leeway there for you to do that. Um, don't talk too much on it when I'm focusing on the implications. This is an analytical essay, so we're focusing on the cause. The implication is just to be like, see, reader, this is why you should seriously care. Go back to focusing on my analysis. And then as such, have your summary and then consider the next point that I'm about to bring up. Super simple. This is the structure. Is this making sense? Why is there ends in the chat? Because I can go more on this or less on this. Great. Wonderful. Cool. So then you have a conclusion, like I've said, super simple, takes like a minute. Um, my debating teacher taught me this back in year seven, and it's been perfect up until now. Um, again, horrible writing, so you don't copy this in terms of all the single, like all the actual words, but so you can actually just get the theory behind it and make it your own. Essentially, you just want to conclude. So because topic sentence one, and because topic sentence two, my contention is true, right? Let me give you an example that has no uh, actual information in it whatsoever, but you'll see the structure still runs, like rings true. Um, so if we go back to the last bit here, talking about top, uh, causal relationships in our causal relationships in our topic sentences, remembering that means like A causes B. If I said my contention was that, I don't know, when pigs can fly, whatever, right? For my conclusion structure, it would go something along the lines of this. So because A causes B, and B, and because B causes C, then pigs can fly. Because that makes no sense. It's not gonna make any sense. But structure-wise, it actually rings fairly true. Because I've argued in a way that is logical and stepwise, even though I've said absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing, 
it still makes a bit of sense, even though I've said nothing. Because A equals B and B equals C, then A actually equals C. I haven't said anything, but the structure is strong, so it makes it sound convincing. Now, imagine if you had an idea, even a mediocre one, and put that in that structure, you're good to go. You're more than good to go. You're set. This is why structure is so important. Okay. So structure is not only a time management tool, but a content management tool. It keeps you temporally and logically on track. Time and logic on track. Now talking about timing. So this is the general timing I often tell my students, but then again, it's up to you. It's so personal, whatever works for you, how you plan. If you take more time to plan, finesse it. If you take less time to plan, finesse it, whatever. Um, so you have 65 minutes. I do suggest like taking about four or five minutes out of that 65 minutes just to put aside for your editing. You can do so much. You can fix so much damage when you actually edit. Maybe you realize you kind of went off topic. You weren't really on theme or whatever. You can just go back and shove the theme in a couple of times just to make sure that it looks like you meant to be on theme the entire time. Um, so do actually keep that time for editing. And it also helps you sort of keep on track to have more specific time goals rather than just saying, I'm going to be here by this point. I'm going to be, you know, by 30 minutes and I'm going to be done with my first essay. And that's all you've ever said to yourself. The reason why I say actually be more um, pedantic with your timing is because you don't want to get to the point where you're at like 25 minutes in and you haven't written like the second body paragraph of your first essay and then you just write a garbage ending and hope for the best when you are a bit more pedantic about your timing you already know oh my goodness I've already passed my 19 minutes or whatever I should have hit my I should be finished with this body paragraph I need to be under body paragraph two so you will almost never get to the point where you haven't actually written something substantial um, because you're constantly being aware of where you need to be and you're checking yourself it does require discipline if the timing comes move on to the next bit wrap up and move on to the next bit. You have that four minutes for editing. So if you need to edit, go back and deal with that. Try and spell right on the first time, have the right structure on the first go. And you'll realize the editing is just going to really help you increase the marks rather than dealing with deep structural issues. because it's not going to be fixed in those four minutes. Um, so can we start writing at the start? 65 minutes in total, do we have five minutes of reading time? So technically you have five minutes of reading time, but you can also, you can write in the reading time. That's why it's 65. Five minutes of reading time and 60 minutes of writing but you can start writing from the minute they say start writing. You don't need five minutes of reading time. Get to the point where honestly, you can just see the quotes, look for the common theme and pick that. It should take you now at like a minute, right? Because honestly, you're just looking for the common word. If you want a quick system to do that, read each quote twice to yourself, like actually mouth it out loud. There's a scientific reason for this. I can go into it another time, but read them, actually like mouth them to yourself and then actually think about how they make you feel be able to find the theme pretty quickly from there. They're not going to do something ridiculous. Just get a common word and work from there. Okay, do I have any questions about this? Cool. So nine minutes for planning introduction. Keep in mind that's planning and introduction. If you use a short plan, spend most of the time on the introduction. If you use a longer plan, spend most of the time on the plan, obviously, but write the solid introduction. Make sure you spend 10 minutes on the body paragraph one, 10 minutes for body paragraph two, two minutes for conclusion, and then two minutes for editing and review. Repeat that again. And then you're good to go. Okay. Um, it'll be a little bit less than two minutes for editing and review for each essay, and also probably less than two minutes for your conclusion because the conclusion is super simple. So this is a, going to be a little bit off in terms of like the adding up, but I'm giving you a bit more leeway for practice. Take from that and do what you will with that. Cool. 
<laughs> okay, before I move on to content, I'm gonna try and answer the questions that I've had so far. My biggest concern is the, the language because English is my second language, any advice? So when it comes to English being a second language, it is pretty tough. I would say that try and keep things simple, use shorter sentences, be blunt, say what you mean. Don't try and hide behind big fancy words. And I mean that even for people who speak English as their first language, keep it short, keep the language simple, talk how you think. Don't start throwing random words in there you got from a thesaurus. It actually makes your writing sound worse when you do that. Be clear, short sentences are more convincing than longer ones, and just have a point. Be very clear to yourself about what you're trying to say. Constantly ask yourself, what am I saying here? And make sure you're saying it in the clearest way possible. If your argument is that, um, I don't know, someone said that they were struggling with like religion and taxes or something, so let's make a religion point. Let's say that <clears throat> your argument was that I think that um, in Australia, um, while we talk about having religious freedom, people still want everyone to act a little bit Christian. This is a problem because not everyone is Christian. Simple. I'm just saying what I mean. I'm not adding any spice to that. I'm just really being clear. But because I'm being very to the point, I'm going to be a lot more convincing if I try to use super big words. So actually be very clear about the point you're trying to make. Everyone wants to act a little bit Christian because Australia is based on a Christian society, Christian culture, but not everyone is Christian. So inherently, that's a bit silly. That works. That's so much more convincing than trying to use big words. So when it comes to the issue with English as a second language, just short sentences, be clear and know exactly what you're trying to say. And I would also try and practice getting that wording down. If there are some words that you keep getting confused with, get other people who do speak English as their first language to help you edit that and work on those sentence structures, but shorter sentences will be easier for you overall. Hopefully that helps. Uh, how long should your conclusion be? Super short. There's no need for it to be more, like th more than three lines. It's it's just a summary, right? It's the, probably the least important part of your essay, but the easiest place to lose marks because people bring in new ideas. They don't have one. They think they need to make it somehow in a fancy whatever. It's just a summary. Don't lose the marks on the conclusion. Two, three lines, keep it simple. Do the so because, so because, done. You've already written all the parts. Um, how do you avoid repetition when summarizing your points, uh, like at the end of a body paragraph or in the conclusion? So this is one of the biggest, I think, misconceptions when it comes to writing an analytical argumentative essay. You do want to be repeating your point. That's how you convince people, right? Think of a lawyer. Let's keep it very simple, right? They're like, okay, I am trying to argue that Leslie is a murderer. Le Leslie murdered Thomas, right? I'm going to keep going like, well, Leslie had blonde hair and there was blonde hair found at the scene of the crime. That makes that means she was at the scene of the crime. That makes her a murderer. Uh, Leslie also drives a four-wheel drive. The tracks at the scene of the crime, four-wheel drive tracks. That means Leslie could have been there, could have been murdering. I'm going to repeat the point that Le Leslie is a murderer a million times because that is my point. You need to be repeating your point over and over and over again because you're trying to drive home what your point is and how everyone should believe you. The difference here is that I didn't just say Leslie's a murderer a million times with no no extra bits. I said, Leslie's hair is blonde. Blonde hair was found at the scene, AKA Leslie's a murderer. Also, four wheel drive tracks were found at the scene. Leslie's car, four wheel drive, Leslie's a murderer. I'm adding new evidence. I'm adding new analysis. And then going back and saying, remember my point from before? This is why I'm still right. Here's just more and more proof, more and more anal and like logical analysis to prove to you that I am right. 
that's what you're doing. So you are repeating yourself, but don't use the same words. Try and like change up the structure a little bit, but you should be repeating yourself. You don't want to be not repeating yourself. Otherwise they're going to forget what your point is. Okay, should conclusions be a call to action? Uh, they can be if you want, uh, not, not necessary. If you want them to be, that's fine. Um, I wouldn't actually, no, actually no, stay away from it, don't do it. Because while you can do that, it's often a, uh, it's very tempting for people to add new information in the conclusion when they do that. If you need to have a call to action, because it's very much how you write, try putting it in the paragraph above, like the second body paragraph, and then you can use the conclusion. Even if you just mention it very briefly in the second body paragraph, it saves you from losing marks from having new points in your conclusion. It's one of the dumbest things about writing, but it is what it is. They do not like having new points in your conclusion. Ask any person who writes an essay. It's one of the big faux pas. Don't do that. So have your call to action, maybe mention it previously so you don't get, lose the marks for mentioning a new idea in your conclusion. Um, does this structure only apply for argumentative essays or can you use it for task A and B? It works for both, actually. It works for both. I am someone who thinks work smart, don't work super hard, um, try, don't brute force things. This works for both of them because you, in your task B, while you're focusing on more sort of amorphous ideas like love, companionship, all you have to do is maybe talk about yourself or talk about an experience that you've had. And rather than talking about some sort of big societal issue, you can go back to human nature super simply and be able to deal with that, right? Um, instead of saying, oh, I think that our community is a little bit racist, I can say that um, I think that when, uh, hmm, I think that, what's something I can do? I think, okay, here we go. I think that um, my tendency to get tired of people when they're not, they don't do what I, things that are interesting, right, is indicative of me, you know, being bored with, like, getting bored with things very quickly or whatever. Um, that would be then me exploring that. This has happened because human beings are inherently short-spanned creatures, blah, 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 blah. That's a, does that make sense? So I can still very much argue a point. I still very much have to have a point. The structure still stands. I'm just focusing on myself, doing a little psychoanalysis, if you will, looking at how I am as a person. Why do we behave this way? Why do our parents act this way? Why do our siblings act this way? Why do our friends act this way? That's all you're doing with that one. So it's very much the same for both. Uh, details of contention, we can do that in a second. So don't worry about that. Um, if we live in other countries, could we use personal experiences and making comparisons as an example? Yes, we can if we've lived in other countries, but make sure you are being clear about the fact it's a different country. And if there's no relevance to the country being different, then don't talk about it. I would make sure that you are saying like, in Australia, unlike this country, this happens and then explore why, right? Don't just randomly throw in like, well, in Europe, we do this. That's not a country, that's a continent, but you know what I mean? Um, if it's not necessary to the argument, don't bring it up. But you can definitely use it and it will actually bring a lot more like depth and nuance to your argument if you use it as a sort of a comparison from the get-go of your contention. Um, instead of saying terms such as society, should we try to be more specific with groups of people? Definitely. And this is really, really important. Like I said, don't make generalizations. Don't say Gen Z. Don't say millennials. Don't say blanket statements. Because that's not true. The moment you say every single one in a particular group and one person breaks that rule, your argument is false. It's weakened your argument. Even if you had a good point, your argument is false and therefore no one wants to listen to you anymore. Think of it that way, right? Try and be specific. Even if they, most people, the vast majority, a lot of us, be kind as well, be gracious. That means people are going to listen to you if you're more realistic rather than saying, oh, kids these days have no manners. That's not true. That's not true at all. Like, it's just not true. It's a statement that people often like to use, 
But as soon as one kid has manners that is within that age bracket that you stated, then your argument is false. If also with you not defining what manners is, anybody can make their own assumption as to what manners are. If you said, you know, for like Gen Z actually has, because of the internet, has so many different versions of what manners could possibly be, that's a, that's a lot more true. Because it's true. There is so many versions of what manners could be for every single person, particularly because I focus on Gen Z, because of the internet. That's, 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 a, that's a fact. You can't argue that, right? Unlike saying every single member of Gen Z has no manners, point blank, period, right? So make sure you are specific. Give yourself a bit of that grace. And then you can say, because of these defin like chain definitions of what is considered rude or not rude, we do see some issues. That's so much more convincing, so much more to the point, so much more nuanced and profound. Okay, hopefully that was helpful. Um, what I recommend for size of body paragraph, I'm not going to give you a number. This is very science student to do that. Don't do that because you're going to end up writing not good quality stuff. Make sure you've actually gone through your point. You've gone from human nature back to the initial topic sentence point you've made. Make sure you're walking your reader through that point. And if you feel like it's clear, then it's clear. If you don't feel like it's clear, then you need to add more lines. That's all I can say for that one because it could be a lot. It could be little. Depends on what you've written. Okay, um, what is integrating a call to action? How do you recommend putting it? Um, up to you on that one. I honestly don't always think that a call to action is necessary. Um, it's very personal how you want to do that. In the vast majority of cases, I'm going to say that it's more, if you put it in your analysis, you will be fine, right? If you sort of go, you know, let's say toxic masculinity, is the topic we're talking about. We could say that I think that our society needs to be a bit more open to male emotions and actually accepting of that rather than just paying it lip service when we want to sound progressive. That's a call to action. And I think I wouldn't even go further than that uh, because you, unless you have like a serious solution, your essay is not about providing solutions. It's actually about an, like analyzing the issue at hand. We're not writing a, you know, a prospectus. We're not writing a, an executive summary. We're writing an analytical essay to say, here's a problem and here's what, where the problem actually lies, not here are the solutions to the problem. If you do provide solutions, that's the smallest part of your essay. Okay, so um, do people want to go through an intro potentially? Cool. Let's try that then. Okay, so I'm going to speed through this. Uh, essentially, you have these components to your essays. Think about idea development, argument, organization, evidence, analysis, expression. We've gone through the majority of like all the black ones, argument, organization, evidence, analysis. We've done that. I'll quickly touch on idea development and expression. Um, so you, a good idea will take your theme and put it in different contexts. It will use different lenses, but it's also going to be nuanced and specific. It's not going to be something that's like, you know, vague, general, not kind, not gracious. It's going to be something that's nuanced, specific, interesting, small, to the point. There's different ways you can break down these ideas and take them with you. So you want to take the theme and add something, not just take the theme and leave it and never remember the theme again. Take the theme and add something on top of it. And that could be looking at it from the lens of like, what is the ideal and what is reality? Are we living in reality? Are we living in the ideal? What problems, what problems might this cause? Um, maybe doing like a bit of psychoanalysis, like I mentioned earlier, 
why am I like this? Why am I family like this? Why are my friends like this? Denotation versus connotation. I love this one. Uh, looking at the dictionary definition of a word versus like how we feel about the word. Um, I love this one for like politics and things like that when it comes to, like politicians. Like what is a politician versus how we view politicians. Um, what is their job versus like how do we actually view their job and feel about their job. Denotation being dictionary definition, connotation being like social understanding, colloquial definition. Um, social critique, here's a problem, why can nobody see it type of thing. And then you can have different lenses as well. So like feminism, queer theory, uh, post-colonialism, decolonial theory, and critical race theory. Um, uh, so many different theories. Anything is a theory. Climate change, ecofeminism, womanism, whatever you want. Pick a lens, you can add one. Like put that on top of it. Make sure it's not just oh, my theme is about, I don't know, love. And then I'm going to just focus on feminism because that's the lens I want to use. You have to look at feminism through, sorry, love through the lens of feminism. Like that's how that works. I need to be connected, not just separated. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, how can you tell yourself if you've improved because I've not received any tutoring or do you recommend tutoring? So um, when you read your essays out loud, you'll be able to tell that you've improved. Get other people to read your essays and you'll be able to see that you've improved. I would recommend tutoring in that it's very useful to get someone whose job it is to break down essays to help you with your essays, but it is almost scam sad. It is really hard to get tutoring. It is also expensive, so it's completely understandable. If you can, mock exams or um, Acer also does the like the actual Acer people. They have a thing you can buy that marks your essays for you. That does like the computer marks it, so you can see if you're improving in that result. But you're not going to actually get any feedback on that. So tutoring is useful for hands-on, individualized feedback for your essays. Versus the AI one is good for just getting a mark overall. Um, mock exams are good for the actual practice and timing, um, and then getting family members to read it can just be helpful to make sure that you're making sense to someone who has no clue what the topic is even meant to be about. Okay. Um, okay, so I want to go through the lenses thing again. Let's go through, quickly through lenses. Lenses, um, basically any idea that you want, you can use as a lens. Some of the common ones, um, feminism, ecofeminism, womanism, post-colonial theory, critical race theory, queer theory, as a million of them, right? Marxism, socialism, whatever, communism all lenses. You take your theme and you look at it through that lens. I'm not going to get the, the theme of love. Say I'm going to use the lens of feminism and proceed to only write an essay about some random part of feminism. I need to look at the theme, feminism, through the lens of love. So, oh my god, the theme, love, through the lens of feminism, right? I'd have to talk about it, love, in regards to feminism. Does that make sense? I might have to give an example to be specific, but like that's what that is. Lenses, you look through the lens at the theme you're talking about. So you have to talk about both, not just the lens that you're talking that you're actually using. Um, do, 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 do. Okay. Let's see if we can get what time is it? Oh, oh, yeah, we'll try and get through a lot more of this. So um again, don't make generalizations, be deliberate and think, think, think. Very important. Okay. Expression, focus on these things. I'm not going to actually go through them, but yeah, use literary techniques. Don't use big words. We love the rule of thirds. Try using first person. I'm running through this so I can try and get through a paragraph with you guys. And here are some sentence starters that you can use. Um, I like some of these. I like, actually, I like all of these. So these are my favorite ones. They're just nice fancy words you can throw in without getting too overwhelmed with big words, but great. Okay, let's try and get through an actual thing. 
So there is a recording to come back to. I am so sorry I've had to like speed through this. I'm trying to get through as much content as I can to help you guys um, as much as possible. Um, let's go to Google Docs. And let's try writing something. Actually, no, we're not going to do that because that's going to take time. Can, someone, can people write uh, a theme that they struggle with? Because we can actually do it from that in that way. And I'll share my screen to be able to do that in a second. Where is Oops. blank? Okay, and then I can share my screen. Technology, confidence, economy, economy of politics, politics, war, religion. Okay, there's quite a few here. Okay, hmm. Well, okay, what we're going to do instead then is that I'm gonna just do a bunch of contentions and then I'll show you an introduction if we have time. But other than that, I don't think we'll have time to go through all of these as paragraphs, but I can show you a couple of contentions. Share screen, share. Great, okay, so. The first one I can see here is humor. Let me use my little framework that I've said before. I think that this has led to, this is a problem because, like I said, don't necessarily use this as, as it is. Fancy it up, make it look sound nice with your own words. I'm just doing this to be quick so we can actually get through the ideas. So let's try number one, humor. Okay, so when it comes to humor, um, the best thing I can tell you is try and be specific to yourself. This is one of the, um, I say specific to yourself, I mean specific to your own opinions. Think about what's happening in the world. This is one of those task Bs that you're most likely going to get. So think more personal human nature vibes, right? Um, <clears throat> I think that, what do I think? What do I think? What do I think? I think that <laughs> people often use the um, use the excuse of political correctness of censor censorship via political correctness. to um, hide the fact that they can't be funny without being um, rude. I'm gonna, that's not the right word for that, but I'm going to leave it at that. Without being rude. Actually, no, without being mean. Mean to uh, less powerful groups. This has led to, and now I'm talking about implications. So I've said my opinion. It's actually an opinion. I've not just said a random statement. This is my opinion. I think that people often use the excuse of censorship by political correctness to hide the fact that they can't be funny without me being mean to less powerful groups. This has led to um, an array of um, comedians, uh, claiming 
actually no feeding into um feeding into the emotionally emotion charged debate um surrounding the frequent running our frequent and break oftentimes breakneck political actually no social progression cool i let i gave you a consequence there and this is a problem because um foundationally humor um doesn't uh come from being oppressive or derogatory derogatory it comes from making uh, keen observations about the world around us therefore um political correctness the changing political correctness arena should actually make pretty good material cool that's my that's my contention right um Okay, cool. I've decided not to use a lens in this one. I don't want to use a lens. My main, my point value like, works that for me, works properly for me in this case. I don't need to add anything more to that. I'm able to be specific in here. So actually the contention is the whole thing, right? This is the first thing I want to sort of dispel when it comes to contentions. It doesn't have to be a single sentence. Often we get confused when we do that. Um, it's because, okay, here's the thing. If you're going to be specific, and you're gonna actually walk your reader through your point, I would try doing more than one sentence for now, right? Because I've been writing for a while, I could say, yeah, no, my final sentence is my contention. But most people who are practicing for section two will try and either shove everything I've written here into one sentence, or will only say maybe this last little bit and be like, I'm done, that's my contention, without actually walking the reader through their point. By doing these three sentences, I've made it very clear as to what I'm talking about. I'm talking about political correctness being used as an excuse. Yes, we are actually having a lot of social progression, and that is a lot, but it's currently an emotionally charged argument that people are hiding behind. And in fact, I think it should be used as material. I've stepped you through my point. You can actually very clearly say I've stepped you through my point rather than just focusing on shoving everything into a final sentence. And the other thing about this system that's quite useful is if worse comes to worse, and I don't have time to write anything more than this, I've written an introduction, a very, very meh introduction, but I've gotten all my points across. Meh in terms of expression, but to the point in terms of everything else. Tick, 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 in, in structure, evidence, analysis, all that sort of stuff. Okay. Was that good for people? Did people need more clarification on that? Yes, no, Y's in the chat, N's in the chat. Um, let's do, because everyone said politics. Politics is, can people be more specific about politics just because that's really vague? 
Um, I'll do the taxes one, I guess, because everyone talks about that one. Um, th this is the easiest one to do, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I think that, um, <laughs> I wasn't, because I, I was good at maths, or good at school, to be honest with you, good at school. Um, I was taught uh, a lot of abstract content, but missed out on learning about real life. Uh, real life things like taxes, right? This has, and I'm gonna say I, like many of my peers um, who were good at school. So this is me editing as I'm going because I realized that I was not specific enough. Um, were taught a lot of abstract content, but missed out on learning about real life things like taxes. This has led to a, a large portion, led to a large portion of society particularly those of us, particularly those of us who um, attend, who end up at university, not, and choose not to study economics, not knowing how to function, um, in our, in the Australian economy. Cool, this is a problem because despite being supposedly well-educated and um, the fact that participating participating in the economy is non-negotiable. The too many people aren't fully aware of what their taxpayer dollars are going towards. Okay, cool. Can anyone tell me what's wrong with this contention? The one that I just wrote. There's definitely something wrong with it, by the way. There's an implication. There's an implication. So I'm not using a cause here yet. I'm gonna to get to the cause in my body paragraph. Is, yep, large portion of society is, too, is very, very general. That's one of the problems. 
good. It's not specific enough, but it's another reason why it's not specific enough. I'm gonna highlight that in red. Okay, the main thing that uh, means that it's not specific enough is actually here, down here. I never mentioned taxpayer dollars before. I've never talked about it before that last little bit at the end. I have talked about what, what specific people. I have. I said people, I, like many of my peers who weren't good at school. That's who I'm talking about. I was vague with a large portion of society. Um, and yes, I didn't say why it was bad. We don't have to do tax. Exactly, Bridget. I actually jumped from not knowing how to do tax to we don't know where our taxpayer dollars are going and never really made a, a judgment about that. I assumed my reader would jump with me. I jumped. I made a huge jump between this this has led to and this problem. I need to have mentioned this tax dollar somewhere before to say what I feel about it. I need to either have said why it's bad. We don't know how to study economics. What's the problem with this? I can very easily, when I go back um, and do my editing, as I didn't notice this at the very end, I can jump back and say, oh, very you know, quickly, uh, and because we're not uh, not knowing how to function in the Australian economy and therefore don't know how to advocate for ourselves as taxpayers. And that would actually make everything connect because I've mentioned the word taxpayer before. It's small enough just to make sure that every sentence connects. Okay, so um, I'm not going to do more of these, but I am going to quickly show you a an intro that I have done beforehand. If you do need to go, feel free to go because this is quite long. I'm sorry, session two is always a lot. Um, what are your thoughts on listing your arguments in your intro? Your arguments should be the three things I was talking to you about. Um, make sure that you're not like jumping into random points in your, this has happened, this is what I think that this has led to, and this is a problem because those are your arguments, right? If we go back to the very simple, um, you know, what um, should we be wearing uniforms in, in high school sort of thing. If my essay is about the fact that it's an economic burden or whatever, I will say, I think that uniforms are actually an economic burden. This is a problem because they're often used as a means of equalizing all students. They actually don't equalize. They actually are more of a marker of that. This is a problem because not only are they a barrier for students entering these schools, but they actually are more physical representations of their poverty. Those are my arguments. I'm not gonna add anything extra on that. And someone was asking before about lenses. That might be me taking an economic lens on the idea of um, uh, uniforms. So my whole essay will be in an economic vibe, but the theme is about uniforms. Hopefully that's making sense. Okay, this is the last thing we'll do. Let me share my screen again. So this was a paragraph that I wrote for um, simulation day we had a little while ago. It was about, um, what was it about? Uh, regulation of social media, that's what it was about. So we'll do a quick run through of this and then we'll be done. Hopefully, you know, if you have any questions, also feel free to email me or whatever. Um, I'm also gonna put my email up here at the top. So if you do feel like emailing me, Please do. Great, that's my email up there. Um, so 
about regulation. It seems to me that particularly in a post-COVID world, we like to pick and choose when we trust our governments. If the government says get vaccinated, it'll save your life. People will say it's a trick. They're trying to kill us. If the government says don't use horse medications, it'll kill you. People say take it. They're hoarding a cure. It seems that they can't win, is what I'd say if I was sympathetic to their plight. Truthfully, I'm not. For the most part, I take all government opinions and perfectly timed media releases with several grains of salt for one salient reason. Despite their anthropomorphization, the government is not a singular entity with a singular or simple motive. The myriad of competing and conflicting interests that make up a government make it an unpredictable beast. An unpredictable beast is a dangerous one. The current regulators of our media, our Musk, our Zuckerbergs, are infinitely more simple. They are at least superficially a singular entity with a singular driver, um, and that is much easier to predict. Profit. That's why when governments are nominated as social media's ethical regulatory alternative, I chuckle. See, if I had to choose between Elon Musk and the Democratic Party, I would choose Musk every time. Now, this is taking um, this is taking the idea of the theory we've been talking about and showing you what you can do to get that higher mark. This would be an essay that gets a much higher mark than just following that theory word for word. The theory word for word will get you a decent mark, even if your idea is garbage. It'll get you all the points you need for structure. But by focusing on like how your own voice works, breaking the rules when you want to, and being very specific about when you do that, you'll get those higher marks. And this is, I'll show you how it still shows all the major points here. I have my hook. My hook is right here. It's a bit random. It speaks something that we're talking about. It's a statement. It's my opinion. It's to the point already, right? That's my, that's my hook. I'm also going to try and like put this so I can see the chat a bit more clearly. But it's never mind. I'm gonna leave it there then. Okay. Um, and this wouldn't be a task B. This is actually a task A. I'd like to write with first person. It doesn't make it any less formal. It doesn't actually change the quality of the essay. In fact, for me, it makes my essays more like higher quality. I write like that. If you don't like how to write, if you don't like writing like that, that's up to you. I write well in first person. That's how I write. Um, and I do write well. I'm not gonna be like, oh, you know, I'm an amazing writer, but I am published. I do write. This is how I write. And this it works. This is how I wrote in the exam. This is how I wrote in. No, you don't get marked down at all. They don't care if you use first person. If you technically you could write a poem and you'd be fine in both. Um, don't do that because poems are really hard to do and do them well. But yeah, first person, if it helps you be more clear, helps you get across, actually usually helps you get more of a voice in your writing as well than uh, third person. It makes you sound interesting and makes you more memorable. Um, the next bit here. This is all context, right? This is my world building. I'm getting to know my reader. Um, for me, this is how I sort of get my personality across. I'm pretty cool. I'm not like the other writers. That's what I'm doing here. Now, this whole section here is actually my contention. If we're using the single sentence point, technically speaking, this would be my contention, the singular line down the bottom, but it makes no sense if I read it out of context. Because why am I talking about Elon Musk, the Democratic Party? That's why I say be careful with the idea that your contention should only be one line and the very last line. You can use all the lines before it to make that last line make sense. We don't want to have a super long sentence because that makes it confusing and you lose clarity. But we also don't want to make we don't want to make our sentences boring. So we can have fun sentences like this. But all my sentences previously lead up to this sentence, and I'll show you like quite literally how I've stepped out my argument for my readers. So in my first line, I've mentioned the idea that the government is not a singular entity without, and they don't have a singular or simple motivator because I made up of lots of different people. I've used the word government. I'm going to make that 
red. I've also mentioned the idea of singular entity. I'm going to make that orange. And I've mentioned the idea of singular nor simple motivators. And we're going to make that blue. Uh, no, we won't. We'll make it purple. Great. Next, in my next sentence, I spoke about the myriad of competing and conflicting interests. Speaking once again to the idea of not only the singular entity, but the idea they don't have a singular nor sim they have a singular nor simple motivator. I've repeated myself in other words. I've repeated a little bit, added more on top. Is that making sense? That's really, really important of a concept when it comes to your microstructure to understand that. So we, I have not jumped. I've been very clear to walk my reader through my point. Government made up of lots of different ideas. They're not one person. And because they're not one person, they have lots of different ideas because they looked at different ideas, so on and so forth. I've been very clearly reading, I, building my argument up. Now, I've, I've, in this sentence, I haven't moved to the second sentence yet. I've now added my new idea. That is the general rule of sentences when it comes to microstructure, right? Refer to the previous sentence and then tack on your new idea. I referred to the previous sentence about the conflicting, competing ideas. And then I mentioned the idea of, hey, when they have conflicting ideas, they're now unpredictable. Unpredictable equals dangerous. So when I come back here and I talk about them being more simple, again, I'm repeating my other points from earlier. But what I've done here, and this is really, really important, rather than having to say to my reader that these regulators like Musk and Zuckerberg are not dangerous, I've allowed them to come to that conclusion themselves, but I know exactly what conclusion they're coming to. In a way, I've manipulated the reader because I've said, well, A equals B and B equals C. So what does A equal? And they go C, because I've walked them down to that, that conclusion. And they can see here without even really thinking about it, oh, no, like that means that if they're simple, they're not as dangerous. I then further that by saying, oh, look, they are a singular entity with a singular driver. I've mentioned it again explicitly, like I did at the top. And then I've added a new idea, tacked on that new idea, profit. And then I have my conclusion. And now my final sentence makes sense. If I choose Elon Musk in the Democratic Party, I choose Musk every time because Musk is easier. He's a singular entity, at least superficially, with a singular simple motivator that is profit. And that's how you can take that theory of walking your reader through your point, walking them through the argument to help you get to the conclusion you want to get to for your contention. And now my essay is pretty much written for me. All I have to do is add the evidence, do a bit of like human nature, group values, or whatever I want to do, and I'm done. Okay. Oh, thank you. Um, any questions? This was a lot. I'm really sorry about how long this was. Any questions? Feel free to leave if you need to leave as well. No questions? Okay. If there are no questions, then I am going to let everyone go. Um, feel free to email me if you have any issues. Um, oh, when you said you manipulated the readers, isn't that a risk? Okay. When I say manipulate the reader, and this is the connotation of the word manipulate, if you want to write an essay about this, feel free. It doesn't have to be negative. When you're talking to someone, okay, cast your mind back to when you were younger, having to convince your parents to buy you something that you did not need, even if you did need it. You are manipulating your parents. It's not necessarily negative, right? It's you are making sure your parents are going to come to the conclusion you need them to come to. Let's say you need a new laptop. You'd say, well, I've been working really hard. I have not, I've been doing all my chores. I've been saving money. Um, 
we need laptops in year seven. It's very, very important for us to have laptops. Um, my last laptop is broken, so I can't even use that. We need it for our schoolwork. And I'll get, I promise I'll get good grades. That's manipulation because you're painting a picture for your parents to then get you that new laptop. Don't focus on the connotation of it. Focus on the actual like action of it. Emotional, like you're building a picture. Manipulation in a positive way, not necessarily a negative way. But that's what you're doing with it, convincing people. That's what that is. Okay. Uh, is it possible to improve in two weeks? Oh, very much so. Very much so. It's just being aware of what you're actually doing and not just writing for the sake of writing. Make sure you're being reflective in every time you're writing. Um, where can we find the recording? I'm not actually sure. I think they will send you a link afterwards, um, but you will have access to this. I'm pretty sure. If not, I put my email at the top of the page. Uh, feel free to email me. Um, I'll also copy it into the chat so people can um, send me an email if they have any questions. Uh, Fraser's um, Will you be doing more deep dive sessions? This was really helpful. Um, I don't know about webinars. I can see what I can do. I'm not sure. This was actually pretty much last minute, actually. So we'll see. I'm not entirely sure. But there will be other um, webinars and stuff popping up as well. If you do have questions, if you want to have a quick chat, email me. We can set up a time to have a chat, and I can go through this with you one-on-one -on -one as well. How do we come up with good original ideas? Focus on your own life. Often, if you can't think of something related to the topic, every topic that they give you is meant to related to your life. If you've lived in a Western country like Australia or America, uh, think of an experience you've had and break that down. For the most part, if you don't know anything about a topic, if you see in practice, go do a bit of research on it. Get a bit of a lay of the land um, and get an opinion. Um, get used to having opinions. Have fun opinions. Have silly opinions. That's how you're going to have fun with this and also have really good and interesting ideas is making those connections kind of weird and wonderful things. But enjoy yourself. That's what makes good writing. Um, tip section two for two weeks left. Be reflective. Work on the structure thing. Make sure you are ticking the boxes. If you don't have a topic sentence, be ruth like be ruthless. Make sure you are writing with a topic sentence. Make sure you're doing this is happening because where is your human nature? Where is all of these things? Where is your analysis? That's the biggest thing people miss. Your uh, your evidence is like six lines. Be mad at yourself and say no. Next time it will be three lines. Like actually, like don't be mad at yourself. But I mean, be ruthless in your in your reflection. Don't just sort of go. Oh, I wrote this and I finished it in the time. That's good. Make sure you're actually having specific goals and you're making sure you're hitting those little goals all the time. Um, tutoring is helpful. The mock exams can also be helpful. Other people reading your work can also be helpful. Send uh, us emails. We'll, we love helping out as well. Um, in that essay, did you ever go into how the Muslims occupiers want great media related to criticize the government? Okay, so in my essay, the point that I was making was that it, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't, right? And I made that pretty clear in the line that I said, like, at least superficially, they're easier to predict. Granted, the rest of the essay doesn't have, like, I haven't written the full essay, I just wrote the introduction part. Um, but the point that I'm getting at for the rest of the essay is just not that I should, that we should, um, one is better than the other. And so your nuance actually lies. Don't focus on having a black and white perspective. Sometimes everyone's bad. Everything is garbage, right? But sometimes we're focusing on what's less garbage than the other option. I personally think, according to my essay, that the government is a worse regulator than the current regulators. Both of them are bad, but I think the government is worse, particularly because of the power the government has. Um, in the rest of the essay, I was actually going to speak about how the fact that, you know, if the government wants to silence me, they can silence me anyway. I don't need the government also having an avenue to pro like put propaganda out there and actually have very violent impacts on my life. If Elon Musk doesn't like me, he boots me off Twitter. It's done. Right. He's not going to come to my house and like wage war on my country that Elon Musk can't do that. But a government can. 
And that was the rest, meant to be the rest of my point. Doesn't mean that I said Elon Musk is good and I made that clear. Um, in your essays, make that clear as well. You don't have to say one is good and one is bad. You can just say one is better than the other, even though they're both pretty garbage. Um, would this, would that one generally, sorry, for that one generally, what would be your topic sentence one, topic sentence two? Topic sentence one, topic sentence two probably would speak to the fact that um, Elon Musk and Mark, oh, sorry, governments have inher like inherent powers that, um, governments have inherent powers and connections to the rest of the world that I do not want them to have a further way of sh like sharing misinformation, right? Topic sentence two would then be speaking about the fact that, like I said earlier, Elon Musk cannot wage war on me. The worst he can do is kick me off the app. I go to a different app. I make a new app. A government can remove me and take away my citizenship. There's so many more issues with the power of a government when it comes to social media. Um, in terms of actual topic sentences, that has to actually write the essay out and I'm tired and I'm sick. So <laughs> I'm not gonna write it out today. Um, I literally got COVID like two days ago, so I'm like dying, but that's fine. Um, do we know, da, 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 should we, how would use evidence for those topic sentences? Um, I would then speak to the fact that, you know, there's a lot of different ex like examples of evidence for governments literally waging war and on um, people. Think of Iran, Iran, Iran right now. I might be getting that wrong. Uh, with the whole head covering situation currently going on there, suppressing information. I think also in Afghanistan as well. Um, there's a lot of information suppression on social media that they don't even run. Um, uh, different governments and all that sort of stuff. That's really important, like in terms of like knowing just like things that are happening worldwide. It's all evidence of this. And I think in a funny way, focus on what ha was happening with Twitter and how you know Elon Musk is getting really mad at people um, for saying that he's not very smart and he sort of boots them off. And like that's the worst that they can do. He can't do anything more than that. And that would be my evidence of that sort of situation, just to show that like the juxtaposition of the power of both. I don't want to focus too much on this particular essay because that's not the point. It's more about the theory that I'm trying to teach you about. Um, rather than trying to like copy a particular style of essay. Hopefully that makes sense. If you do want to have a chat about it in depth, I can do one-on-one -on -one chats if you guys wanted. Um, okay, cool. Any final questions? No? Okay, wonderful. Thank you guys for coming. Um, oh, necessary to alter writing task for task A or task B. No, you can do argument. You, sh you should be writing argumentatively for both. Have a point for both. Task B, you can take a more reflective argument stance. Like, I don't know why I behave like this type of thing, but you're still arguing a point. Um, but yeah, that goes for both. Great. Again, email me if you have any questions. My voice is hurting me now. <laughs> have a wonderful rest of your day. Good luck with the GAMSAT. Um, yeah, if, I have any, if you have any questions, email me and I'll see how I can help you. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, everyone.